Okay, so let's talk about identity and power. Being identity free is the most powerful position that we can come from. That's what I want to talk about. Because it, it, it runs counter to how we tend to automatically live our lives or live our lives by default. Most people grab hold of identities in order to gain power. They think that they're gaining power, whether consciously or unconsciously. An example of this would be grabbing hold of an identity of a group. But now we're more powerful because it's more than just us. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We feel better about ourselves then. Not so small, not so insignificant. So we think that we have more power. We might think that we're more important because now there are other people like us that believe the same things that we believe or whatever it may be depending on the group, political party, etc. So we feel better about ourselves. We feel more powerful because there are more of us. We're now part of something that we believe to be inherently more powerful than ourselves, which makes us more powerful. It can also be a characteristic. Uh, we can identify with race or with sex, whatever characteristic it may be. And then we have a group. We have a group of people who look like us or who talk like the us or who act like us, depending on the characteristic. And now we're, again, part of something bigger. And we find the best qualities within this group, and those are the ones that we grab onto. Those are the ones, that, of course, that we identify with. Yes, we, people, especially nowadays, tend to be self-deprecating a lot, and a lot of that does go to some mental health issues that continue to be exacerbated by social media and things, but also exacerbated by social media is this identification with others and with groups. It can even be an individual influencer on whatever platform that it is. We identify with that person. Now, part of the problem comes with how this then dictates our life. And it can be compared with when, let's say, someone makes us angry, and then we react, whether it's verbally or physically. We've now given that person power over us. That person is now allowed to dictate how we feel, how we speak, what we do with our bodies. There is nothing in the universe, nothing, that has demanded that we react in anger. doesn't matter if that person said something absolutely horrible about us or about a relative, said something that we disagree with with regard to a political position, even if that person slammed into our vehicle or, or did something physical, not necessarily to our bodies. There is nothing in the universe that says that we must react in anger. In fact, if we do react in anger, we are in a weaker position. All practices, mental, physical, martial arts, whatever it may be, show us that the most powerful position is coming from one of tranquility, one of grounding, one of stoicism, one of zen, whatever practice, whatever field. That is our most powerful position, a firm foundation. Whenever we react in anger because of something else, and I mean, it could be, of course, some inanimate object is not doing what we're asking it to do. We get mad at that inanimate object. You're laughing because it happens to absolutely everybody. I, it still happens to me. And then I laugh at myself. At least I do that. But if it's an individual saying something horrible, calling us a slur, whatever it may be, we don't, you, could, you know, you have the right to be angry. Well, you, you have the right to be angry. Of course you do. But only because you have the right to do whatever you want with your mind and your body. Not some default that because this person said something, 
you're in the correct place to be angry. It's not the correct kind of right. When you allow yourself to become angry or sad or whatever it may be, you're giving that person control over you. Now, depending on our actions in the past and how we've treated such situations, that decision could be split-second, seemingly unconscious. Or, if we practice very hard to not become angry, we start to see and to realize and to feel split seconds become seconds, become longer periods of time where there is space. That space is power. And this can get into a whole other diatribe about mindfulness practice, how important it is in creating space and changing our default position. If we always get angry, if we always react in a certain way, we're training ourselves. We're training our brain. Our brain lays down pathways. Those pathways get deeper. How it treats things solidifies, and we create default pathways. And so our default reaction is to become immediately angry when we hear something, whatever it may be. The wonderful news about the brain is that even if you've been acting that way for four decades, you can change it within a matter of four weeks, even less time. But you have to want to. You have to decide to. You have to know that it's possible. You have to know that you can do it. And you have to decide that you're going to do it. To not do it is not an option. And you practice. And you practice mindfulness, and it changes. And it changes very quickly. And you gain more power than you've ever had in your life. Because less external stimuli are now controlling your life. We go through the day, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's an absurd amount of thoughts that we think in a given day. Let's say 100,000 thoughts. And it's estimated that like 90% of those or more are repeat thoughts from day to day to day to day. Because we're doing the same things, we're thinking the same things, we're reading the same things, we're going to work, we're brushing our teeth, we're doing all this. It's all the same thought. We're in a pattern. Other research tells us that 50 to 60% of those thoughts are, are negative. That tells you where we are <laughs> when it comes to a frame of mind. We're having so many thoughts completely and utterly unconsciously. We're not consciously choosing to think them. We're running on autopilot, which is why in some practices they ask, are you the one who thought or are you the observer? Who thought that thought? I mean, you know, you, you, you have it all the time. You have a thought flash into your brain. And you're like, where did that come from? Where did it come from? Did you consciously think it? Where did that anger come from? Did you choose it? If you don't have a choice, who's in control? If you don't have a choice, who's in power over you? Someone else is in power over you. And I can tell you firsthand, someone who used to have a horrible temper and who identified with it. I was Italian, male... I had a bad temper. Hey, forget about it. It's garbage. It's excuse. It's identity. It's ego. Then I found mindfulness practices. I practiced personally meditation, Zen, yoga, pranayama. And for those of you who wince at these words, they're not religion. They're practices on gaining back control over our thoughts, over our breath and our bodies. That's all. What you do with that control is totally up to you. Praise whatever God you want. Proselytize wherever you want and to whomever you want. Don't do that. Totally up to you. It has nothing to do with religion. It can. It can be skewed that way. It can in people's lives. But it also doesn't need to be. 
can be just practice on how we live our lives and if we're in control of ourselves. And so I can tell you as, some, as someone with a deeply personal experience coming from having a horrible temper, extremely short strings, that just a little bit of mindfulness practice changes things. What it does is it creates space. And in that space is power. In that space is the ultimate power to start to make our own decisions. Okay, so let's apply this now to identity. We are not in control of ourselves when that person makes us angry and then we have our default reaction. We also give away our power when we identify with a group or a political party or a label or a race or a sex or an individual, whatever it may be. We give away our power. How do we do this? Well, we say that we belong to this group or this political party or whatever it may be. This group has X, Y, and Z position. We agree with those. That's why we belong to that group. They then come out with T position. And what do we do? We agree with that position, oftentimes without even looking into it. No research. This is what my group says. I am so happy to grab hold of this position. Why? Because we feel like we're something bigger than ourselves. We feel included. So blindly, blindly, we decide what we believe. And it doesn't even have to be a group. It could be just an individual. If you follow somebody on Instagram, the reason that you follow them is because you completely agree with them on one subject. And that's usually what they post on. Then they post on a different subject. And because you love that person so much, so much slay, whatever it is, you grab hold of that, that subject as well. And now that's what you think because this other person, this stranger, same with the groups. Maybe you actually belong to uh, a group where you're getting to know some individuals personally. But for the vast majority, you just belong to this group, especially when it comes to political parties. Thousands of people, millions of people involved people you'll never meet, people who there's no way that you can say have your best interest at heart. Definitely. They probably don't. They probably have motivations that have nothing to do with you, small, tiny person who they've never met, and they probably want to use you for their gain. Anytime that we identify, we give away our power to others. Same goes when no one else is involved, but maybe we just identify with a position. We identify with an opinion. We are now giving away our power to that opinion because other facts come, other evidence comes, more information comes, but we reject it. We ignore it. Why? Because that opinion is part of us because we've identified with it. It makes us who we are. There, there is, I'm going to say this, there is nothing that makes you who you are. Every single minute that passes, you could be a totally different person from the minute previous. There is nothing stopping you from that being the case, let alone every single day. But it takes becoming conscious, becoming grounded, and grabbing space, creating space, then utilizing that space to take your power back. So the most powerful position that one can operate from is that of being identity-free. No individual or group or position or characteristic dictating how we think or act. Nothing external from ourselves dictating our default pathway. This is the most powerful place that we can come from. And it should be our goal every single day to get closer to that place. Because here's the deal. Even if you 
subscribe to some position or some group in an effort to make things better for some other group of people, you will always, always be better suited to help those people if you have no identities dictating your thoughts and your opinions. You will always be better suited to help those people, whoever they are, if you are free from identity, if you have that space, if you're able to then view things from a grounded position, from a clear position. So if you have become a member of some group, or you have identified with some characteristic or whatever it may be, even to help others, and you think that this is the righteous thing to do, even if those people need your help, you cannot help them when you are identified with a position or a group as well as you could help them if you get rid of those identities. You will never be as powerful to make change if you identify with anything, group, position, otherwise, than if you get rid of that, become independent, become free of mind, become free of anything external dictating your life and your thoughts. This is the true and greatest position of power.